Thank you, Ken. Man, what a wonderful worship time. Amen. I think I'm just going to use this instead of the pulpit here if I can get it up high enough. All right. Maybe that'll work right there. All right. You know, I have to, I can't help but tease Ken a little bit, um, although it's not really funny, but he smashed his finger really uh, bad the other day. He's got like eight stitches in his finger yesterday. Lots of my days are other days. But uh, <laughs> smashed his finger, and I said, man, a worship pastor will do anything to get out of playing piano. <laughs> and we just said, you still have, no, it was his idea to do the, the to go uh, forward, and um, so I thank you for leading us. Well, <clears throat> we had been in a series uh, during what we have uh, called Xmas, searching what's for finding what's lost or searching for what's lost, and uh, we missed a Sunday because uh, the weather hopefully got word out to everyone. I apologize if anyone made out in the treacherous weather to find out that uh, we weren't having service, but we tried to get it out. Um, but you know, I, I got to reviewing where we're at on it, and I felt like the Lord wanted me to just go ahead and and head to the one that we planned for tonight um, and not try to, to blend or anything. So uh, I want to get into the message uh, and jump into the fourth. This is the last of our Advent services. I told you that we're uh, focusing more on Advent because of the, the, the highway robbery that's happened with uh, the term Christmas, uh, the meaning of it. But Advent's almost over. I mean, tomorrow is New Year's Day and Sunday is uh, Christmas Day. And so as we, Sunday is Christmas Day, right? Did I say something funny? Tomorrow's New Year's, so some of you, no, I know. <laughs> so as all of you know what's happening tomorrow and the next day. <laughs> but we, like the, the believers of, of ancient uh, days, 2,000 years ago, we've been anticipating uh, this weekend to celebrate our Savior, just like they were uh, anticipating the Messiah to come. And that's the, been the main focus of Advent for us. And um, they were waiting and longing for, uh, and hoping and waiting for, in faith for a promised king. And the prophet Isaiah was one of those people who was anxiously waiting. He was among those that, and when we read in Isaiah chapter 9, uh, you hear his waiting heart. And not only that, we hear a little bit about the king that he was waiting for. Isaiah 9, 6 says, For to us a child is born. To us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. As I, as I didn't know all the song selection that Ken was picking for tonight, but as we're singing those words, I just became emotional thinking about how God had really led and guided this message and uh, had Ken in tune with that. Uh, so much of what we sing tonight, if we were to do worship after the message, you'd feel like I had just directed Ken to pick the songs he did. Um, but the scripture says, Isaiah says, a child is born, a son is given. Uh, the son being the divine son of God, wrapped himself in human flesh. You have to understand that the son existed before the baby was born. That divinity became 100% humanity. I have an expression of God's love for us so that his son could save us. He was a leader that could feel the full weight of government on his shoulders where every king that, the, uh, that, the, uh, that God's people had experienced before that had, had crumbled under the weight of leading God's people. Isaiah promised that this king would be different, though. And I want you to look at the names associated with that king. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and then what we sang tonight, 
and many and several songs, Prince of Peace. Tonight I want in this message for us for at the last of Advent 2016 to to look at what it means to be for him to be called the Prince of Peace. Over the last few weeks, as I said, this series Xmas, Discovering What's Lost, uh, borrowed series from North Place Church in Sachi, Texas. But this series is about discovering what's been lost from the Christmas celebration, uh, the real meaning of what has been buried under consumerism and, and materialism and greed. We're searching for the missing peace, and that missing peace isn't as in P-I-E-C-E, like a piece to a puzzle, but peace as in P-E-A-C-E. Now, peace is so much more than one of life's uh, illusional, emotional states. You know, some people try uh, try to chase after peace in this world, and they've got this illusion that somehow they're going to find it outside of God. But this is talking about lasting peace found in Jesus. Long before Jesus was ever born, the prophet Isaiah declared that the, the world would call him, that he would be called the Prince of Peace. And when the Prince of Peace is missing from the celebration, there is no peace. When the Prince of Peace is missing, that's where we get Xmas and not Christmas. Many of you watched probably and will watch again the Charlie Brown Christmas. I know that movie, that show brings back a lot of good memories to me. Um, Many of you may not know this, but Charlie Brown Christmas has aired on TV for 51 years. I heard that it's been on again this year, but this year will be 51 years. Um, as it uh, started in 1965. Now, I've prepared a short clip from that program um, that maybe you've forgotten was there, unless you just watched it recently. And in this world, there's the newest and latest, greatest. You know, when we went shopping for, for Christmas, I saw these parents getting the newest and latest, greatest technology for their kids. I mean, no longer is it just little plastic stuff. It's plastic stuff that moves and lights up and and get you on the internet and all that. But now those things are outdated within months. And, and social media trends, they're, they're changing within days. So anything that lasted 50, 50 years, 51 years this year, uh, has to be meaningful. But I want us to, to take a look at this. Like many times over the decades, I've watched this episode, but uh, never gave it much thought outside of just seasonal entertainment. It's like watching The Christmas Story or any other one that comes on every Christmas. But as I prepared for the sermon series and was made aware of one segment of the Charlie Brown Christmas, I realized it has much more insight into the season than I ever imagined. It might be because when I watched this as a kid, it was a different time and place. That that the gospel and the gospel message and the story of the true story Christmas of Christmas was not uh, as socially unacceptable as it is today. Schultz, the one who created it, this classic, you know, it was maybe a little more secular today than it was back then. So the culture I grew up in, this message clip was not so controversial as it will be today. So I probably wouldn't have noticed it. I never noticed how overtly Christian Schultz's message is in the Charlie Brown Christmas special. Schultz's clarity about Jesus being the center of Christmas stood in stark contrast and stands today in stark contrast to the political correctness that has invaded our culture. More popular holiday programs today are safe for secular viewing. It's just more about festival uh, decorating and charitable giving and, and acceptance and inclusion of all lifestyles. But Schultz 
in this clip takes it a different direction. And he, and he especially brings out in a frustrating time for Charlie Brown when he asks this question out of frustration. He says, doesn't anyone know what Christmas is really about? And so to answer that question, Schultz has Linus walk to the center of the stage literally while rehearsing for a Christmas play, which most of the kids there probably didn't really understand what they were practicing for since Charlie Brown's asking the question. And Linus walks to the center of the stage and recites by memory Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 14. And in case it's been a while for you since you've seen it, I want you to watch this clip, Nathan, if you have it ready. Everything I do turns into a disaster. I guess I really don't know what Christmas is all about. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? Sure, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Lights, please. And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. Which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. It's a little more emotional to watch this in the setting that we're in tonight, knowing the stark contrast, especially through 2016, that where we've been pushed to tone down and tame and make our, our version of the gospel politically correct. And I guess they, they say the dark the darker... The dark, the lighter, the light. And maybe because the dark has gotten darker, this little clip that wasn't a big deal in 1965 when it first aired is a bigger deal today than it's ever been. Linus's speech stands out to me now more than ever before. And there's a story behind this too. That even in 1965, some of the producers and editors tried to get Schultz to cut that section out of the Charlie Brown Christmas. And Schultz refused. He was battling even then the Xmas idea. And Schultz was trying to help us and the generations then and the ones now, the ones in 1965 and the ones in 2016, that in some way help us now rediscover what we've lost. He was trying to put the Christ back in Christmas. Thousands of years ago, Isaiah prophesied of a coming king who would be called the Prince of Peace. And the last few lines that Linus uh, recites he is reciting from Luke's gospel and when Luke writes in Luke 2 13 and 14 suddenly a great company in the heavenly host appeared with the angel praising God and saying glory to God in the highest heaven and on the earth peace to those whom his favor rests now hundreds of years before the birth of Jesus Isaiah calls him the prince of peace and then at the, at the announcement of his birth Luke declares that because he has come peace has come to earth 
But do we really understand what Isaiah and Luke are talking about when they connect the coming of Jesus with the coming of peace? Do we really understand that? And I promise you it's not uh, probably not what you are thinking, especially if your definition of peace is the absence of war. Jesus never promised to bring an understanding of peace that would be absence of strife or absence or conflict of war. And that's why that confusion on that message, many think that Jesus isn't paying attention to what's going on because of what's going on in the world. But quite the opposite. He never promised to bring that kind of peace. Jesus did not bring that kind of peace during his first coming of Advent. Normally during this time, we think about Jesus as that baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, a sweet baby in the manger, this perfect glowing complexion, a twinkle in his eye. And we've all had this image of Christ as a child in that way, and that's appropriate. But we tend to put that same perfect, mild, tender image on the adult Jesus. We see him as a sweet, tender, mild adult in the same way we see baby Jesus, this perfect complexion, quiet, mild, tender, gentle, and that twinkle in his eyes. But we can't for a moment see him as being aggressive or belligerent or combative or, or inadequate in, in today's a, a culture or that culture then to, to adapt to their culture. So let me ask you a question that is asked in the famous Christmas song when it asks, what child is this? What child is this? Do we really understand who is, who is it that we're worshiping during this time and that we invite uh, to come to our homes during this time? At, at this birth, the angels declare, glory to God in the highest, peace on earth. Peace on earth is the most dominant theme of the Advent season, but I'm not sure we understand it correctly. Peace on earth is written everywhere. We see it on Christmas cards and posted everywhere and on advertisements, but because of all this talk of peace on earth, it'd be easy for us to assume that Jesus came to give us the kind of peace that removed all strife and conflict in the world. That it would make our lives more comfortable, more safe, more secure. But is that really what the angels are singing about? Is that really the significance of the name Prince of Peace? How do you reconcile the peaceful images of a baby in a manger with the statements of the adult Jesus that he made in Matthew chapter 10? Let's read Matthew chapter 10, 34 through 39. I know you can't see unless you have, a, have it on your phone. I'll read it to you. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I also will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. Do not think, listen to this, do not think that I've come to bring peace to earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. So what happened to the Prince of Peace? What happened to goodwill toward men? Jesus didn't say that he had come to bring peace, but he came to bring a sword. Uh, and this doesn't fit with our view of the sweet, innocent, meek, mild baby or the adult Jesus that we have in our mind. Or Jesus, the, the, the man that our culture has tried to, to shape and attempt to require Christians to be soft and easy to control. It doesn't fit that Jesus either. So how do we reconcile this, that Jesus came to bring a sword? What does that mean? I know a lot of us men, when Saturday, Saturday we went out and blew up you know, Christmas presents and shot with you know, all kinds of guns and had fun and you know, I think I even heard someone say, well, Jesus said go sell a cloak and buy a sword, right? And uh, we tend to want to justify, use that to justify that for, for um, 
something to do with firearms, but, but to our knowledge, he never carried a sword, nor encouraged his followers to do the same. As a matter of fact, earlier in chapter 10, when they were getting ready to go on a journey, he tells them that they, what they ought to take with them, a journey where they're going to be persecuted and hated for his namesake. And he tells them to take a sword, but he's using it as a metaphor, as a symbol. This is what he's saying. He's saying his mission is he has come to turn the world upside down, and there is going to be strife, and there's going to be struggle, and there's going to be conflict. He has come to threaten the world's understanding of power and the world's understanding of authority. And he did that from the moment of his birth. Think about it. When King Herod heard about the Messiah being born, this baby being born in Bethlehem, fear struck him. It, it caused conflict already with Herod because it threatened his authority. It threatened his power. Jesus came to turn the world upside down to show all of us the new concept of power and authority. God's perfect power and authority. And because of that, Herod tried to have him killed. At Christmas, we don't celebrate the birth of a passive Savior or a pushover Messiah. Somebody that just came to make us feel better. Jesus is the most radical person who has ever walked the earth. He didn't come to bring uh, the culture's understanding of peace. He came so that you and I can make peace with God. And that takes conflict. I've said many times when people have told Folks, over and over, come to our church. The people there are nice. You won't run into anything you did at other churches. You're setting them up. You're not telling the truth. Because the problem is, if really Holy Spirit conviction is happening during the messages, during the ministry time of the church, the conflict inside will bring out things that aren't pretty. That's the kind of peace Jesus brought. One of conflict. One that would give us peace inside, but first there had to be conflict. He came so that you and I can make peace with God. He came to turn this, ups, this world upside down and then right side up and dethrone every illegitimate king to sit on the throne of our heart. That's where the kingdom battle is, is in the hearts of men. And that's why ISIS won't stop because of policy or because of war. Hearts have to change before men will change. He does this by calling us into right relationship with God. And that's where the real war begins and ends is in the heart of men. He invited all the ones that the religious leaders were rejecting, the drunks, the tax collectors, the prostitutes, the sinners. He invited them into relationship with his father and he invites us into that same relationship today, all these thousands of years later, into relationship with the same heavenly father. And he does it by showing us a radical, unconventional, earth-shattering love. And that's why Jesus is so radical in the world. It's because nothing else challenges us to dethrone the illegitimate kings of our heart. Jesus is the only true, pure conflict in this world. Everything else is just accepting of the sinful world and worshiping other things instead of Jesus. And quite honestly, many times we're in love with those illegitimate kings that sit on the thrones of our hearts. Every one of us has put something in the throne of authority over our heart. But everything belongs to God. And so we have taken something that belongs to God and we put something else in authority. And just as Herod was threatened by the birth of that rival king, every illegitimate king in our life is threatened by the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why the world is wanting an Xmas and not a Christmas. 
That's why they want to remove Christ from everything is because the conflict inside they feel. Because when you come in contact with the true Prince of Peace, there is not peace on, on earth as, as we may read it and just accept as that. But there's peace that's coming that's in the hearts of men because they finally get to break free of that illegitimate king that sits on the throne in their heart. Pride is threatened. Addiction is threatened. Whatever sin, whatever label you put on it, it's threatened by the birth of Jesus Christ because he came to dethrone them. And that's why he came to bring a sword for the conflict of man's heart to cut away those idols. He came to cut us away from whatever thing that is standing between us and relationship with the Father. So let's go back to Linus reciting the Christmas story for a minute. I know that's some of your favorite parts already is uh, getting back to Linus. But Charlie Brown is best known for his uniquely striped shirt. I've seen plenty of things on Facebook about ugly sweater days. And uh, I need to find me one of those big orange with dark brown squiggly marked sweaters. Look like Charlie Brown. But Linus is most associated with his ever-present security what? What was it? Yeah, security blanket. If you've, if you've been a fan of Charlie Brown and you've watched Peanuts or you've watched the, that show uh, many times, you know that in every episode, you know that every one of the characters at some point has tried to separate Linus from his blanket. I mean, Lucy has tried, and she can be mean about it, right? And Sally tried, Snoopy tried, Woodstock tried. In every episode, someone tries to rid him of that security blanket to help him free, be free of ridicule for what's seen as an immature attribute to have to have a security blanket. You know, sucking your thumb at, at age 10 or 11 or 20. You know, it's, it's not a good thing, right? So in an otherwise seemingly mature and thoughtful Linus, he has great thoughts, right? Linus seems to be mature in every way. He simply refuses to give up that blanket until one moment in all the episodes. I'd never noticed this before until I watched this week. And the one time in any episode that Linus parts from his blankets Blanket, he drops a blanket as he recites the Christmas story. But here's the greatest significance of him dropping that blanket. That literally, as he repeats the words from Luke's gospel, these are the words, this is the point at which he drops a blanket. He says, fear not, and he drops a blanket. Fear not. So when he says the words, fear not, his security blanket falls to the ground. If you've never noticed it, then let's watch it again, because I think this time it will catch your attention. Everything I do turns into a disaster. I guess I really don't know what Christmas is all about. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? Sure, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Lights, please. And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid, and the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, 
Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. So he says, fear not, and he drops a blank at that moment, and they pan back out just so that you can get the effect, and you see the blanket sitting there. Everything that any character has tried before to rid lines of that blanket, but the word of God, when he proclaims what the angels proclaim, fear not, he drops a blanket. See, it's pretty clear Charles Schultz was trying to say something. It's so simple, it's brilliant. The birth of Jesus separates us from our fears. The birth of Jesus frees us from habits we are unwilling or unable to break ourselves. And the birth of Jesus allows us to simply drop the false security that we have grasped so tightly and learn to trust and cling to him instead. The world of 2016 can be a scary place. It has been for a lot of us. Most of us find ourselves grasping something temporary to bring us security. Whatever that thing may be, it may be a job, it can be here today and gone tomorrow, it, it may be a degree, it may be retirement, relationship, it can be anything that brings us temporary fulfillment. 2016 and now 2017 can be a difficult place for us to be able to say with confidence, fear not, and drop our security blanket. Then, if I can, we'll put up a screenshot of when Linus drops a blanket. But I want you to look at that screenshot where Linus goes from the fear not moment and drops a blanket, and he looks to us and, and say, For this day, unto this day, unto us, a son is born in the city of David. And when he does this, his eyes turn away from what is temporary, providing him security, and his eyes turn toward what is in front of him. But in the midst of fear and insecurity, a simple cartoon image from 1965 continues to live on as an inspiration for us to seek the true peace and the true security in the one place that has always been and always will be found, and that is Jesus Christ. The peace that only Jesus can bring. The peace that the Christmas message is trying to present to us. A peace in our heart. A peace that transcends this earth. A peace with God that lasts for eternity. And Linus helps us find a peace as in quietness of soul. That's P-E-A-C-E. But there is a peace. P-I-E-C-E. Like a puzzle piece that's missing from his speech. And I didn't really catch this, catch this until studying for this message when Linus quotes the King James Version of Luke's Gospel, which is the most prominent in 1965. But since then, there's been a lot of translations created that have been found, although I know some people are diehard King James, because at one time that was the only true version, right? But since then, there's been a lot of great work done to get the original language and, and make it a little clearer in the translation. So when we read it in the original greek the original greek manuscript to see what luke what luke's intent really is there it appears in this translation the peace of god has come to all men because jesus has been born when you read the king james version which linus repeat, repeats what he recites it's like it's come to all men period luke 2:14 Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. It appears in this translation, the peace of God has come to all men because Jesus 
has been born. And there's a, a belief universalist. So the universalists, they point to this message as one of the strengths in their beliefs. And universalists are people that believe that everyone is going to heaven no matter what. That from beginning to end, that everyone's going to heaven no matter what you've done, no matter whether you've accepted Christ or not. And many universalists point to this verse for their theology. And when you read the King James Version, it, it kind of seems like they, they've got a point there. But no other translation of the Bible is as ambiguous here as the King James Version. As a matter of fact, every other translation of the Bible makes sure to connect that, that the peace that Jesus came to bring is known only among those who have relationship with him. There's a difference to all men or to those who have relationship with him. Because if we read the NIV version, Luke 2.14 says, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Then we move to the ESV, which is very well accepted now in, uh, in, all in a lot of churches because of its, its closeness to the original and still being uh, easy to read. But Luke 2.14 and ESV says, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Now here's a kicker, the message. Some of you are familiar with the message. To me, that's the hippie version, right? That's, that's the one. It's not a literal translation. It's, it's more of a um, paraphrase. But even in the Message Bible, which is not a literal translation, it says, Glory to God in the heavenly heights, Peace to all men and women on earth who please him. So only the King James Version drops it at all men. There's an obvious narrowing of who possesses the peace that Jesus came to bring. Those who God is pleased with. And the Bible tells us that God takes the greatest pleasure in those who are in relationship with his son. That's what pleases him. It's not something he's dangling over your head. You can't have it. He wants everyone, not, not that any should perish, but all have eternal life. That's what pleases him. And, the, and, the, and Paul explains this clearly in Ephesians chapter 2 when he says in this verse, 13 and 14, it says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Listen to this. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one in this last part and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. In him is the peace, the prince of peace. Not peace on earth to all men, and that our world is going to all have world peace because Jesus was born. Obviously, that didn't happen. This weekend, peace is, is not about a feeling of an emotion. Peace is found in a person. So I want to invite you this weekend to discover peace. Not peace in the sense of absence of conflict, not peace that is a false promise of an easier road. Some people peddle the gospel selling you something that says Jesus will make your life easier. And I'm going to tell you, that's not the case. When you follow Jesus, you begin to have to swim upstream. You begin real conflict. But here's the thing. You cannot escape conflict in this world as a believer, unbeliever, otherwise. As a human being in a fallen world, conflict is a given. But here's the difference. Jesus has promised that he will supply you peace in the midst of the storm. And any other false, illegitimate king that promises peace, it'll fade. In fact, the drop-off on the other side is much worse than the beginning. When you hit the bottom on the other side, following those false kings, letting them be enthroned on your heart, 
Man searches for peace always. And some will celebrate this Christmas with family, pretending to have peace with their hearts, gripped with fear because of politics or other things that they've let grip them with fear. The uncertainty of the future, when the Bible's telling you don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow worry about self. Don't think about the good old days because that's foolish. The Bible's saying live in the here and now. Follow Jesus, trust him. He is the prince of peace. He will be your peace in the storm. Jesus is the only source of lasting peace. Here in a moment, we're going to serve communion. I want us to come to the Lord's table, as we may call it, to take communion together, and this will be for the close of our service. But I really, truly mean what what God has brought in this message tonight. Find that kind of peace. Don't set yourself up for disappointment thinking uh, falsely that you can somehow have a peace that removes all conflict from your life. In fact, every time God goes to chisel away at your heart, you're going to feel conflict. I've had it this week in my heart. As God begins to break things and you need to break, it's going to hurt and it's going to challenge you. But still, he'll give you peace in the storm. Brother Bill and, and Ken, if I get a couple of you guys to help uh, in serving the elements. The Bible talks about us taking this worthily and it's, it's referring to us examining our hearts. What, what God doesn't want to happen is for us to um, do something in remembrance of the sacrifice that Christ paid for us that gave us the ability to have grace, to, to be able to forgive and accept forgiveness. And so if someone has unforgiveness in their heart, but yet they're, they're trying to remember Christ and, s- and celebrate what he did for them in the birth, but they do it with still um, malice in their heart, then it's a conflict of what we're trying to do through remembering him in the elements. So we're going to take a moment here, a m- minute after everyone served, um, and given the worship team time to take place, um, we are going to take a moment of time in prayer to just examine our hearts and let God speak to us about what's in our hearts. You know, it's easy for us to, to simply focus on the birth of Christ. This is the time of year. Right at Easter, we focus on the resurrection. But, but again, as we talk about Advent, it's an anticipation of the coming of the Messiah. And the first Advent, coming as a baby, but also the forward-looking for when he comes back to finally take us from this broken world finally rescue his church to take us from um, all the the things that entrap us when jesus um, was in those those final hours before the crucifixion he he met um, he met for the last supper with his disciples they were there eating together and and as you know they they began to to just talk and and jesus was giving his last instruction to them but but one of the things they did is they took and Jesus performed what would now be communion. He talked about the bread being his broken body, that when his body was beaten and he was crucified, that that stood for his broken body that would, that would be for not just our, our physical healing, but for the healing of our souls. And, and the, the juice or the wine was representative of his blood that was spilled that would wash away our sins. I mean, just think about that, how incredible that is, that that Sunday morning, Christmas morning, not New Year's, but Christmas morning, when you wake up, the focus, I know, is on that baby in the manger, but that was just the beginning. And it was all about you. I think we lose that sometimes. I think we look at the Bible, we look at all the names and all the the people who, who went through their struggles and lived their lives before the Lord, but we forget for a moment sometimes that He was thinking about you too. 
But as we focus on him back then, as little baby Jesus started growing and he became a man, he had the power to even know that this was for you. Everything he endured. Leaving the splendor of heaven to wrap himself in human flesh to come to save you. So Jesus told his disciples that again that bread was his broken body and they took it together. So let's, let's take the bread together. In the same way he took the cup and told him that was his shed blood and they took it together let's take it together and just give him thanks thank you lord thank you for what you've done for me thank you for what you've done for each and every one here today tonight lord that you have offered yourself lord as that incredible sacrifice that one time that only time lord that would ever have to be sacrificed again the perfect lamb that was slain Thank you for what you endured. We thank you that this Sunday we get to celebrate the beginning of that. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. We're going to sing through one more worship song, and then after that I'll come back and uh, dismiss you. But let's just worship together. Hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. Come on, let's sing that again. My hope.